Welcome back to Premier Sports Academy guest speaker series brought to you by Sportscraft Source for Sports. Okay, so welcome back, everybody. Uh, episode number 21 of our guest speaker series. And uh, today, joining us all the way from Georgia, Coach Alan Cox. So, Coach, I'm not going to get too much into your bio or background. I'm going to let you kind of let our viewers know uh, your experience, which is uh, a plethora in the baseball world. So uh, give us a little bit about your background and kind of what you're up to now. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, Noah, Ryan, thanks for having me. And I'm um, glad you guys are doing what you're doing. It's going to be pretty awesome to see how you grow. And um, well, you know, as we get older, we have a, a better resume. That's all it is. It's just been doing it for a long time. So it's not it's not as cool as everybody thinks it is. It's just been doing it for a long time. That's all. Um, but yeah, you know, playing wise, like most of the coaches were noticing on the podcast, we weren't the best players in the world. We were, you know, pretty good enough to get to college and play there. And then right after that, went back to my old high school and coached, got an opportunity to do that in, in Los Lomas High School in California. Grew up in Pennsylvania, moved to California, and then went to junior college at Yuba College in California. Played for some really good junior college coaches, some mentors like Wendell Bolar, who played with Seattle and, you know, with Harold Reynolds and those guys. And then Moved on and uh, Ted White, who's coaching out there still, and these guys are still going. And then I moved on to Kentucky Wesleyan, where I met, met my wife and we had a family there and my daughter Peyton and Kobe, uh, my biggest support group through all this. You know, as a coach, you, you guys will find out soon enough that uh, we don't make a lot of money and we're gone a lot and, we're, you know, giving all our time to someone else. So appreciate those guys and that's they're here. So that's why I was throwing that out there just, you know get a good dinner tonight, but um, yeah, I had an opportunity to coach at uh, Kentucky Wesleyan College down there, and, and you know, I coached a, a pretty famous coach uh, out there now named uh, Jeremy Sheetinger, known as Sheets, and uh, a big podcast, and coaching, he's the head coach at Gwinnett now, and that's where the connection came in, and, and yeah, you know, just went from there, uh, Got lucky and coached a really good program in uh, Owensboro Catholic. We won a couple small school state championships, had a really good group. A lot of those guys went on to Louisville and uh, played in the World Series with them. And so I just got lucky and had a really good group of, of guys. And, you know, and it was easier in the States. And we'll get into where I went next and because we always had these schools coming in to watch our guys. And, you know, the exposure was really there. And that's where I learned – kind of like how, how the process goes and how to get guys in front of guys. Um, you know, worked in an academy for my biggest mentor, Larry Shown and Joe Barth out of, uh, out of New Jersey, the hit doctor, who was Trout's coach growing up. And then um, learned everything there through those guys and, and got a chance to coach a lot of really good players. And uh, that's, that's what makes us who we are when we have really good players, you know, and, and it's easier. You just stay out of their way kind of. Um, but yeah, I got an opportunity to, um, I coached up in uh, Regina Red Sox for the first year that they brought the school back or the program back and uh, long summer and, and, and Bernie and, and Gary, those guys helped me out and Kip Simon and all those guys were on that team. And it was really fun year, but it was fun because we weren't very good. And, and so it was a really, <laughs> really tough summer. We were three and oh, and then we went five and five and then we went seven and 35. So I think we might have the record still for, you know, lease wins, which isn't good, <laughs> but got to meet a lot of really good people. And, and, you know, that was my first stint in Canada. And there was a kid named Frank Ingram on that team that played for the dogs and uh, actually was coaching with the dogs when it started, um, when it moved to Okotoks. Um, and then we get into the, the whole dogs thing. He came up, I came up as a ghost, uh, as a guest coach, you know, in October and then thought, man, this is really cool got an opportunity. They called me in February to come up and actually coach where I didn't have to work all day, teach in the morning and then go to the academy till midnight. I got to just coach baseball in a unbelievable, you know, unbelievable program. And you guys know all about it. Okotoks dogs and what John or candy has done with that place is, you know, in that whole town, there's a lot of things that people don't know, you know, that I watched that city, that town grow from, you know, without even having a Costco. And that sounds funny. But now the whole left side of the town is, um, you know, it's blown up and people are moving there. The people are moving cross country 
to go to Okotoks to play baseball, which is crazy, you know, to hear about in Canada. And you tell people that here and they're like, excuse me, what are people doing that for? And, and then you show them what it's about and you kind of, you know, and the ins and outs, you know, we, we can get into that here in a second, but unbelievable opportunity there for eight years in my ninth year, then uh, just wanted to get closer to home and, you know, left in good, good terms and the program's in really good hands now. So it felt like it was a good time to, you know, come down and see what I can do in this college game and, and get back closer to family. And so that's why I'm here. And we, you know, with Gwinnett this year, we had a, you know, we're, we've went out the first weekend in January and played the number one team Southeastern and lost a one run game and then split with them the next two games. And then haven't, didn't lose uh, since then. So February, March, we won, we were 22 and two and we were moving up and, um, talking to Bob Elliott on uh, Instagram and he said, where's the, or Twitter. Cause he, I don't know if he's on Instagram, but he said, where's the Canadians? And I said, it's funny you say that because pretty soon they're going to be just pouring in. And just yesterday, I think we actually committed three of them, three Canadians. So pretty excited about that. And we're going to continue to get the best Canadians down here and try to see what we can do. And that's where I'm at right now. Well, and let's stay there with uh, with your the new school that you're part. It's Georgia. It's Gwinnett. Is that how you say it? It's Gwinnett. Yeah, Gwinnett. It's the county. Yeah, yeah. Gwinnett. Okay, and so that's a it's an NAI school. So yes. it's it's uh, not NCAA, but it's a different caliber. So it's a four year school, and it's a fairly new school from what we see. It's 2013. Yeah. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about the school and the sports program, and a little bit about NAI for our listeners. Yeah, uh, great school, um, brand new, like you said, eight years of the baseball program. And um, very, very important part of it is Dr. Darren Wilson, who started the program. He's a 20-year coach from, or more, 20-plus years at Union College and came the AD. And they, and I believe that they um, sat back for a couple of years and just kind of waited and, you know, made enough money to build an unbelievable place with the facilities and, and everything about it. And um wanted to do it right. And they did, you know, they came in, you know, and, and, and they've been winning since before we even got here, they were, you know, going to the world series. So we got, we landed a pretty good opportunity. You know, once you're winning, you like to win and it's, it's fun to win and, and you find an opportunity to, to do that. Um, six sports, men's and women's tennis. And the, the men's team hasn't lost a national championship since it started. The women's lost one. So, you know, they're ranked number one every year in the country in soccer men's and women's soccer, they do a great job as well, um, ranked every year. And, and, you know, then our softball teams ranked fifth, just like we were, and we moved up to three and um, also represent the World Series and, and, you know, playing for national championships every year. So six sports, so we really get taken care of. Um, Dr. Wilson is the man behind all this. Um, I coach with a Steve Lass, pitching coach, a guy that's been there for a while, and, and uh, Kyle Norton, who played there. So you have a kid that, you know, has who's third year coaching maybe, but he played there as well in the first team. So the pride and everything and goes through there. And of course, uh, Jeremy Schiedinger and from the trainer to the staff, to everybody we got, you know, it's a really unique situation, really blessed to be a part of it. And then, you know, NAIA is uh, you'll get some guys and, and we have, so you're allowed professionals, which is really neat. So if a guy goes out of high school and he goes and plays two years for the Braves say, and he gets released and he stays in school, he can come play for us. And that's who our shortstop was this year, an ex minor leaguer. And he was really good. And, and people would say, you know, man, that guy's good. I said, yeah, he played for the Braves. Yeah, pretty good. He's really good. <laughs> we have another kid, um, you know, that also is released from the Rangers. So with the staff we had and with the team we had, you know, we were really good. And with what happened with the whole year, everybody gets the eligibility back. So we didn't lose anyone. And we only had five seniors to begin with. So we're going to be good for the next couple of years. And we're adding some people to that to, um, you know, push the other guys. And uh, just a great opportunity, I think. And uh, one point I want to go back on there, you talked about having a former player on the staff there and kind of that pride. And uh, I want to, I want to co kind of go back to your role with the dogs in that um, you were actually well, – I can't remember if it was director or just handled college placement for the athletes there at the dogs Academy. And I mean, 
just just walk us through that what that's like and also on that side of things how important is it that not only do you find a good fit in terms of playing and ability of the athlete but a fit for a school and the athlete and the environment yeah most important you know and with the dogs it, i might have had the label of that but you know everybody everybody chipped in and it was who you knew and who you know who you had contacts with and when we put them all together with you know Lou Pote and with Joe Surgeon, who, you know, played in the U.S. and played some pro ball. And then Jeff Duda and Tyler Hollick and Guthrow and Ethier and all these guys. Uh, Val Heldobler was from, you know, the States as well. And so we put all these connections, we've you know, together and come up with a, a list of guys that we can just call and say, hey, we've got some guys here. And when I remember the first time we were up there and Brett Thomas, the catching guy out of um, out of California, who's got the catching Academy out there was the first guy. When I got there, it was me, him and another guy. Uh, and what, what happened was, is it was, it was tough to get guys to come to Canada to look at guys and, you know, the exposure. And like I said, if we would have had them in Owensboro, Kentucky, when I had all those players go to Louisville, they were at our place once a week. And so to get, you know, you start falling in love with players and you're like, Oh man, I like this kid a lot. It could go the other way too, as well. Um, but it was an easier process to get guys to division one um which then what we started doing was we had these showcases you know we'd start having these showcases and let everybody in and we'd get these coaches to come up colby junior college being one of them that's been there every year since we started and and you know we ended up getting about 15 to 20 and we used to pay them to come up you know um so i suggest doing that get some guys up in there and now pretty soon they're on their own dime coming up um, before we left because, you know, the caliber of players and what was going on in Okotoks and what those guys did to, to, you know, what we did to make these guys better. People were coming from all over the place just to see these guys. And then it was, then a lot of it is word of mouth. Hey, I got a kid. And I, we always said it was like a jukebox and they're still doing it now. You know, Tyler Hollick's running the place now and it's like a jukebox. You could say, I need a left-handed hit and catcher with a 3.5 GPA. And we put the quarter in and yep, we got one. Um, and so really cool and doing that now in the placement, like, and that was the next question is, you know, it had to be the right fit. And when we're sending guys away to these schools, you know, I'm going to send a guy away. I get, I'm going to put my name on you. And, and, you know, I've been doing this for a while. And if I am exactly who you are, you know, and that's okay. Some guys, you know, you got in a little bit of trouble. He's this guy. Um, it's easy to sell the guy that's, you know, for you kids out there, it's easy to sell the guy with the good grades and the good kid and works hard and that. Um, but it's hard to sell a kid that's been in trouble and no matter how good he is, you know, but in saying that there's a place for every single player out there. And, you know, that's the best thing that you sell to the kids is it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're the last guy in that Academy, you're the hundredth player, you know, and that's what Okotoks was doing. The guy that was on the last team, the starting left fielder for a, a division three school in Illinois. And so when you start doing those things and, and it, you know, guys are competing for positions, they're competing for scholarships, it becomes a real cool little uh, networking thing there going on. And coaches start trusting you too, because you're telling them exactly who they are. And then like Bob Elliott said to you guys, now I can Cole Tucker and we're going to get into later. Okay. I got a kid just as good as Cole, great work ethic, great student, just like Cole. And now I can say, okay, then you might not even have to see them. You know, they might just trust you, especially after you've done it and you've sent a guy like Cole Tucker to somewhere. So Niagara is going to call on you guys a lot. You know, Rob's going to be like, hey, send me another Cole Tucker because it's an easy, easy, it's an easy sell. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have to be really careful of where we're sending them, you know, and we'll sit the kids down. We're talking about playing time. We're talking about their grades. We're talking about, you know, how much money you want to spend. Is it an easy flight? You know, especially where your kids are going to be coming from. Hey, man, I don't want to send my kid to Southern California because I or, you know, in the middle of Iowa, because I, and then I got to drive 10 hours to get to them. Um, but if all that's in and then how much money do you have for college? And so all those things come into play and we would sit the kid down and he'd come in with 10 schools and we'd cross off seven right away. Like you can't play there, man. You're going to have to go junior college which is why we send, you know, 95% of our guys to junior college, which Tyler Hollicks and those guys now are sending guys to division one um, because we're getting more exposure. 
and the D1 schools are coming in. But but the JUCO route's really good, and we like we like JUCO guys at Gwinnett because they're stronger. They've been through it. They have stats. You know, not everybody's going to believe. You know, Ryan, Noah, you guys are coming through. We got a kid, and he hit 400. Well, that's you know everybody's going to be like in Canada, and that's what they think. You know, but when the dogs and Langley and Vauxhall and you know all the Ontario teams are going down and they're rolling the American teams. You know, I think the dogs are the third ranked team in the country in perfect game. So now, and what it used to be, we'd go down there and they'd be like saving pitchers for the guy. And we'd just smoothly, just quietly move into the championship. But now they're, we're facing everybody's number one when we go down because we're known. And it took, you know, eight years. And, they, and when John or Candy first started, he had a group of players who were just as good or better than the ones we have now. Um, and they all, you know, a bunch of them played professionally. His two kids played professionally. Um, so it's been going on longer before I even got there. And it'll definitely go on longer, you know, without me there. But, but um, yeah, those are some of the things that we, you know, when we got our heads together and got in the office that we really looked, you know, we had to especially look at, you know, not transferring back. What classes are not going to transfer when you're done down there. And when, sometimes we forget how good the schools are in Canada. Like if I'm a, I'm a kid down here in the U.S., I, I want to go play at PBA. I want to go play in, you know, Calgary or uh, TRU for Ray Chadwick or, you know, Douglas and some of those schools. And, and it's like, man, why not? UBC is a real good powerhouse. So they don't really have to go. And I know everybody wants to go south and spend all that money when they got a bunch of really good schools in the country. And so, yeah, so that's a very good question. And, and a lot of thought goes into it and it's very particular for each kid. Yeah. And I guess just to stay a little bit uh, on the, you know, the Okotoks side of what that is. So we had uh, um, two weeks ago now we had less on with Vauxhall and kind of explained what the Vauxhall is, experience is like for the athletes from, you know, when they come in on day one, can you give us a little bit of a feel what it was like, you know, what it's like at the Okotoks and the athletes when they first come in, how they go to school, where they live, you know, how much they play baseball, just kind of some of, some of those things for our, for our listeners out there. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, you know, and, and those guys, you know, maybe get on board with, with Tyler or one of those guys too, and they can go, you know, what they're doing in the future here. But yeah, it's different than kind of what Les is doing down there. And he does a great job with what he, you know, he's doing down there. And it's, um, little more uh, glamour, I would say, in Okotoks. We got the $25 million facility. I'm not sure how much it is now. They keep growing and growing and growing. And, and you know, when you walk on there, um, the hard part is when these guys go to these big schools and the colleges, they're like, man, this is all we got. Like my high school, we had, you know, we had 10 times this. Um, so that's that's the hard part there too. But, yeah, I mean, the wow factor right away. And, you know, we've got, you know, eight to 10 full-time staff going every single day in Okotoks and they're there all day long and, and, you know, calling schools and doing this. And anytime they want to come down, they can take BP on their off class day. Um, like cool said, they're going 6 AM all the way till the place. I remember closing place would close at nine, 10 at night, you know, and they're doing camps with the community and they're able to do a lot of things that aren't shown, um, to the public and, and, and they need to put it out there. And, and I think it gets out there, but the camps they do every weekend and then all the, you know, every little leagues in there, um, what they do with the college summer program is it's unreal. And so these kids come in and they bring their parents in and it's, you know, there's pictures and there's videos to show it, but it doesn't do it justice when you walk on that. And I said it when I first got there, it was the Disneyland of baseball i mean it is unbelievable and hopefully they start allowing them to host some things and i know bantam nationals are going to be there this year and i'm really sad i'm going to miss that if it gets going and they got it for next year hopefully too but would have been a really cool thing and i know people are afraid that we're going to recruit their guys and it ain't going to matter we'll recruit them if you have it in egypt (laughs) (laughs) um but it's a better place for guys and and you know everything they've done it's proven you know um but yeah, you know, it's unbelievable and it's just going to continue to do what they're doing. And you've seen it just in your, you know, your backyard there with some of the players that have left. I know Miles Vincent was the one that I was there when he went to PBA um, and was like national kid and was really, really good. And, you know, one of the best arms in the country in North America. And then we had Ryan Morgan, yeah. who, you know, funny story with Cole and Chase and Morgan 
and and you can ask me that one if you want. I'll get into that story. It's pretty funny how they all ended up coming. And I know Cole kind of got into it a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, you come there and then the schools, Foothills Community, um, Foothills, it's a great school. You know, we have two different schools. So you don't go to like Vauxhall, you go to the high school there and then you practice after. They can go anywhere they want to, to high school. So we've got kids coming from Calgary, from Red Deer, from two hours away so they can stay at home if they want. We will also billet um, players, but a majority of our kids on the top levels go to Foothills Comp um, and HTA. It's two great schools in the city. One's Catholic, one's public. Um, and they've got, you know, they take care of the dogs players so much. They've got counselors for the dogs. They've got all these different things just to um, cater to the dogs players. And it's really neat. And, you know, they're on track to, you know, we do ACT testing. We do a six-week course to help the kids take the ACT. They're doing videos all the time. So it's a, it's almost like a university and maybe even do a little more than that um, with the staff and the weight room and everything that's there and the schools and the, they have a nutritionist and a doctor. And, and I could keep going on and on and on of what they're providing kids. Um, you know, that $10,000 is not even close to what they should be paying. You know, with travel and everything, it should be about – what, what IMG is, which is $80,000. Yeah. So, um, but everything they're doing is unbelievable. And when the kid, like Cole said, when he goes to college, man, he's already had it. Everything is just easy. It's a transition that, you know, and the town loves them. They take them in, they billet them. You know, they're part of those families. Like Cole said, he, um, and I always tease Cole that we had to get him out of our house because he ate too much but that's that's not why we just kind of <laughs> like him to experience different things and living with the coach and but man he could eat um but then we had uh ethan francis and we also had chase cole's brother and a funny story is when i was recruiting and he talks about that uh that time in, in bantam nationals when we recruited cole he actually got two doubles off a kid that hadn't had an extra base hit off of him, melvin lorenzo all year long and Cole hit two balls off the wall on him. And then we'll get into why, you know, some of the things in recruiting and what we're looking for. And then we'll go back to Cole on that one, um, the, what caught my eye with him. But I, I talked to Chase about it and I said, I saw him running around, little 12 year old kid. I'm like, hey, what's up? Who, you, who Who's on Newfoundland? Do I need to watch Cole Tucker? And he's like, that's my brother, but no, he's not the best player. You need to, you need to go see Ryan Morgan. He can really pitch. And then we watched Ryan Morgan. Um, dice up Manitoba and look really good. And we're, and then we got on to him. So that's how we recruited him. And then we end up getting chase, you know, six years later. So, but yeah, you know, it's just a, it's another world out there and you could spend an hour with one of those guys talking about what they do and they'll just wow you with everything that I'm even missing. Yeah. And I guess let's kind of stay there. You talked a little bit about recruiting uh, Cole and, and a little bit about his story. Let's, Let's talk about some of those tools uh, as, you know, kind of operated in a scout position and as a coach, as a program, and now, you know, back with a, a college program. What is it that you're looking for? This is what we want our kids to understand yeah. the most. Obviously, the grades, you know, that's, that's without question, you know, the good work ethic, those things. I think if people don't understand those two things by now, yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard to explain it. But what are those other factors that you're looking for that says that's a kid I can, you know, I can do something with? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And, you know, it changes in different levels. You know, from Okotoks, we're looking at a projected kid that, you know, that can come in and two years down the line be pretty good. Um, and we've gotten pretty good at, at being able to tell, you know, um, a lot of people didn't think Cole Tucker would be what he was. But we if we've we've got some stuff written down that we can go back and it says Cole Tucker will be a division one third baseman. Yeah. And it's funny that, you know, we wrote that five years ago, you know, when he was in, you know, 14, 15 years old, just something that we've been doing a long time. And, and, you know, like you said, you compare them to different guys, um, different levels of what I've been in. Like when I'm a pro scout looking at these guys and Les will tell you, and some of these guys, you know, and Okotoks has four scouts professionally as well. You're looking at different things. You, you're looking at the best guys with the tools. Um, and sometimes there's a college player or there's a high school guy that's better than the guy that gets drafted in baseball games and people don't understand what's going on there. Um, but you guys know, and for your, for your kids, sometimes don't worry about what the pro guys are thinking because 
that's going to be four years down the line. And they're just looking at, you know, tools. And if you don't have the tools and you're not throwing 90 plus, you're not getting drafted. So it's just the way it is. Um, if you're not running a six, five and you're not big and strong and physical, that's just the way it is. And that's, you know, that's okay. Um, the college scouts are different. So we'll go into, you know, the pro guys is, is going to be a tools guy, you know, Cole Tucker, maybe three years down the line has a chance to play professionally. Um, he's got to work on his running. So, you know, the five tools hit for power, hit, um, run, field, and then arm. And if you don't have three of those five, maybe even four of the five, you're not going to get even looks. And that's okay because that's going to be for Canadian kids. It doesn't happen for them usually until later on um, because they're younger when they when they finish high school. And, um, but college-wise, man, and it's, and it's funny as now I'm back into the college game, and it's very simple. For one, we're looking for a kid that has a good time who's having fun playing the game. And I've, you know, I recruited a kid named Chad Pickton out of Manitoba because I saw him dancing behind the dugout. Peter Hutzel made the junior national team, and I thought he was going to ruin himself because he was dancing it short and having a good time. And um, and Greg liked him. And, you know, and besides, it's pretty good. But, man, if you can have some fun, you know, and that's what, what got me with Cole. I was watching him in between innings. I was just having to be walking by. And, and you want to think about, did he make me stop? I was leaving and he made me stop. So what is that that would make me stop? Everyone's wearing the same uniform, you know, and maybe they have their names on the back, but what is it that catches a coach's eye in the college ranks or even the Okotoks in that manner? Because Okotoks would be the same recruiting that I would do in a college. Um, it's just a younger guy and you have to be pretty good at understanding what he might be. Um, college, we're looking for him to come in right away. Um, but watching guys in between innings, you know, and Cole always on, you know, on first, off first. Um, there was a guy for him named Ferguson that no one even remembers who he is. And he was the best player I ever watched in Bantam Nationals. By the way, Bantam Nationals, the best talent in the country every year because nobody's boycotting anything or, you know, besides besides the T12. Um, the best players are at Bantam Nationals. And so there's a little secret for some of you guys. Um I probably shouldn't have threw that out there, but that's where we found a lot of names. And um, because you're going to see the best talent at the amateur level and they're going to fail a lot. Okay. So for your guys coming up, what do they do when they fail? And I tell our guys all the time, I'm going to come watch you. So Noah, Ryan, you call me, you got a kid named Joe Smith. I already know he's good or you wouldn't call me about him. So I'm going to stick around for about three games, four games until he what? Until he fails. And then I'm going to see exactly who he is. Um, not giving his teammates five and, and pouting, telling his mom to go get him a drink. We just cross those guys off, man. Doesn't matter how good they are. Um, and so that's something you can, you know, bring into your academy. Doesn't matter who how good you are. You know, someone's going to find you later on. And, and, and they always say, well, it doesn't matter where you're at. Somebody will find you. And that's true to some extent, especially with social media. Um, but at the same time, man, it, it, once you're that guy, once you're labeled that guy, it's tough. It's tough to get back from that. So you got to have fun. You got to be coachable. You got to, you know, how do you stand out? And one way to do that is sprint on and off, man, you know, especially or run a ball out. Jamie Carroll, who's um, playing pro ball now, or used to play in the bigs and now is in the, I think he's in one of the pirates or some system where he should going to be a major league um, manager one day, whenever he decides to take the job when his kids are older. But um, I learned it from him. He um, was drafted. He beat out a ball to shortstop early in the game when they were close game and then they were getting blown out. And I think he, and I hopefully I get the story right, but ball hit back to the pitcher and he had the same exact time down to first. And a, and a scout was there and saw you because there's always somebody around, especially Murray Zook's retired. But that guy was there. God bless you, Murray Zook. For, thanks for giving me that San Diego job with you. And But he's retired. But he was at every game from the beginning to the end because he wanted to see that guy that nobody else would see. Um, and so in your academy, man, it, have fun. And how do you stand out? And it could be standing out in a bad way. And, and there's some guys from your province that – you know, stood out the other way that we were on. And I won't mention names, but they know who they are. And, and you know, um, 
but it was just we can't do that because you're sending these guys away and if they do that when you're away and we talked about it earlier i can't call that coach no more because i sent him a kid that you know i didn't you know tell him everything about him but for sure for your young guys man have fun play hard and, and like you said all those other things for sure and they all go hand in hand like cole tucker is good student good work ethic good player good family good support group that's easy um, and, and you guys are ambassadors and, you know, I appreciate you guys more than anything because you're going to create some kids that come up through that. We're not even gonna have to worry about that. We don't have curfew. We don't, we don't check guys' classes. We don't check their grades. That's the kind of program where, cause if you mess up, we got a guy waiting to take your spot. Yeah. And so we don't have to deal with you. Um, yeah. I hope that helps. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's a big part of it too. I think, um, how much of it, again, when you're, we talked about looking at an athlete, what you're looking for at the pro level, at the collegiate level, even at the dogs level, when you're recruiting, um, there, but how much of it, especially in this time, the time that we're in right now with everything kind of at a halt, um, is what goes on behind the scenes, what these kids are doing to not only prepare themselves for on-field play, but taking it upon themselves to go above and beyond what they would usually do. Like whether that's picking up equipment after they do their drills or do their workout, like, um, and it's just, again, spreading that message to the athletes that may be listening, how, how unique of an opportunity is it for all these kids to put in the work behind the scenes so that when we come out of this, you've got one or two diamonds in the rough that all of a sudden it's like, Oh, where did that come from? Yeah. It's a great time for a kid like that to just shine. Cause you know, the guy that's really good is going to chill a little bit. And, and, and I hope not. But, you know, the guys that are really good are they usually have the hardest, hardest work ethic um, most of the time. But, yeah, during this time, man, you can get out there and I'm sure you guys are sending them drills to do at home and which is really cool. And, um, you know, and, and our coach said it great. I'll know. I'll know what you did during this break. We'll know when you come back. And because and we're always trying to replace you. Um, and, and that's the thing that, you know, you get into your systems and just like Okotoks and just like what we're trying to do, Hey, we're bringing guys in to take your job every day. So that's just the way it is. Just like, if I don't continue to learn, I'm on podcast, I'm on ABCA, I'm on, you know, stick and ball TV, which is the new up and coming thing. You guys should jump all over that. Um, the best coaches are teaching and I'm continuously learning. Got the, in the earpiece going on. Um, and if we don't do that, someone's going to take our job. Um, and, and you want to be in that environment. And, and the dogs program was that environment. You know, John or Candia pushed us every day. You know, there's a lot of people that just roll out the balls, but it was nice. Some people are like, man, that's tough. And like, nah, man, he pushes us, man. He, we have to do something every single day to get better for ourselves and for our kids. Um, and the same thing goes with the player, man. If you're sitting around like Cole was doing his work and I guarantee Cole Tucker went in and took some swings off the tee and, and his little brother, who's not as talented, but definitely works just as hard. And, and you know, and pretty soon, you know, and, and you know, Chase Tucker is going to West Virginia to play for Salem International, man. Friend of mine yeah. out there. Who would have ever thought that Chase Tucker would get a scholarship to go play baseball? And, and, you know, he works really hard. And, you know, grade-wise, it doesn't come as easy as it does for Cole. But, man, you know, but he worked really hard. And he's an awesome kid. And. And it, it's nice when those guys get the rewards. So you can see a high-end guy coming out and a, and a guy that, you know, has gradually went up. And who knows, he might be better than Cole when this is all said and done. And the younger brother usually is. Just waiting for it to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we've talked – I mean, we, we've touched on a few points now. I mean, students, student-athletes needing to take care of certain things on their own. We're always trying to replace them. We can be working on things right now while we're all home. We're going to see. We've had a lot of guests on, and what we've – it's been a natural focus of this podcast has either been adversity or mindset, um, it, particularly in a sport like baseball where it is it is a failure-driven sport. Um, we've had a few guests that have all kind of said the same thing. A lot of them had opportunities to play professional baseball. Um, it wasn't physical disadvantages that prevented them from making that next leap. All guys that are in very good shape can play the, can play the game hard, can play it physical. But, you know, when it came to moments of adversity at that, you know, that next level, they just, they didn't have what they needed here to make that jump. 
in what you've seen in athletes that you've kind of sent on to those levels, again, just to reiterate a message for, for some of our, our kids that are listening is talking about how important it is from a young age to start working, you know, on this thing and developing this tool, just like you do your swing or your run or your throw, right? Just, you know, making sure you're mentally sharp. Man, Ryan, that, you know, Noah, that's, that's one of the things that I never really got into. Like you said, who knows what would have happened if I would have had the mental game. I was a mental midget like out there. I didn't know, you know, a bad word to use, but um, mentally I was not sound. Uh, and I, who knows what could have happened. And, and I never really got into the mental part of the game and that you see guys that um, would shine and they would just do it all the time. And in games, they could really perform. And that's why sometimes you got to be careful when you recruit out of the cage at the academies and make sure that you go watch and play. Um, because then you can really see the player who had the mental part of the game. But us at Gwinnett College, Georgia Gwinnett GGC right now is um, every day they do mental game. And I watch kids who had no chance, you know, come around and they did it every single day. Um, I wanted to be a part of it too, but uh, for some reason it was just the players, but I should have mentally got in there myself. Um, but Sheets does a good job with it. Alan Jager's program, we, we, we follow that. And, and I would start as early as you can because there's two coaches that the parents won't pay for because it's almost like, oh, he needs something. He's got something wrong with him. Yeah. You know, those sports psychologists um, or just even you guys can do it, man. Just get better at it and learn how to do it and let the kids relax and close their eyes. They might fall asleep, you know, but that's OK. They need it um, with everything they're going on with the with the pressure of social media and with the pressure of, you know, trying to get a scholarship and all these things, even at, you know, your guys' level all the way up through every major leaguer has a mental coach, you know, and those are grown men at the best at their ability. So why are we not, you know, tapping into that? And I, and I would be honest to say that this year was the first time that I ever even I'd be like, ah, whatever, man, you know, but I watched it work. I watched it work on some guys that, you know, focused up. And, and when it came time, you know, from us patting our helmets with two strikes, taking a deep breath, you know, with two, you know, after taking a bad swing on a ball in the dirt, I watched it happen and I needed to watch it happen because I wasn't a believer. Um, and I sat down with Alan Jager and, and these guys and name dropping, sorry, but at, a, at ABCA and we're sitting up there and he's playing a game with us and we're going around the circle trying to remember what the guy said with the letters, you know, and it, it's a, a name game, but it, and I think he was trying to teach us a mental game of how we're staying focused in a bar upstairs, having mellow mushroom, having pizza. Um, but it was really neat, and, and it kind of hit me that, man, we stayed focused enough for about three hours. We were in there, and people probably thought we were crazy. But I watched it happen, so now I'm a believer in the mental game, and it's something that we're not tapping into these these players, and they need it. They need it more than the hitting instruction. And the other thing they need is to learn how to play catch. You know, if I told you we are going to have a camp and all we were going to do is play catch for three hours, nobody would come. What do you mean we're not going to hit, pitch, or field? I don't want to come to that camp. But that's why we're not, you know, people can't play catch, you know, even our level, even the pro level. Um, but those two things are, I think, are the most important coaches out there. And, and mental game being number one. Like you said, we should be training on that more than we're hitting. That's a very good, very good point. <laughs> Well, and we've just got you know, just kind of two stories that go with that. We had, uh, you know, a friend of ours, Trevor Knipe, who owns Playball Academy in Kitchener and also is with the Angels Minor Association. I mean, he talked about it last year in his first spring training. Like, he he got the yips and he literally couldn't throw batting practice. He was oh. hitting professional players. And, <laughs> and he had actually had to go speak to, you know, one of the people that's in the Angels organization about that incident because he just – he couldn't throw batting practice, right? And, I mean – the stakes of his situation aren't as high, but for him, it was something he needed to get over. And then even just an anecdotal story this year. I mean, I coached in paradise this year uh, for, for Bantam this summer past. And, yeah. and we had a young kid on our team and of tremendous speed. And I'll, I'll say his name is Kyle McDonald. And at the start of the season, he really struggled just with, with hitting the baseball. I mean, I would say probably for the first three or four games, I don't, I don't think he touched the ball. And that's legitimately Ooh. true. I, I think he didn't touch the ball. And then one game, I got him to bunt 
three times. Yep. Situation didn't even matter. Just laid down a bunt. He advanced a runner. Another time he got a hit out of it. Another time he did or something like that. But after that, he started to hit the baseball because he got met, he got confidence. He, yeah. he stopped thinking about swinging and missing at the ball. And he was going up to the plate finally with a purpose. So he's like, he, he started to understand. It didn't show didn't show him how to hold the bat any different. No. Didn't change where he stood in the box. It just changed how he was approaching each at bat in his head by just a little bit of diversion and giving him a little bit of success. And he kind of took it from there. And you see that stuff, you know, anecdotally play out. And it's a big role as a coach. You know, I think that whether it be, you know, like you said, Noah and myself learning how to administer that for our athletes or you guys working with the, the Jager sport program, even if you're not doing those things as a coach, you still need to understand the psychology of your players so that you can either mm -hmm. prevent them from falling into those ruts or knowing how to coach them out of those ruts. And I think it's, mm -hmm. you see it more and more now. It is probably the, the, the biggest part of, of any game. I mean, it's so kind of just a great point to just follow up on that you had made there. Yeah, that's a great, great job for you. You know, Bunny always gets you out of a slump because they put their eye back on the ball. You know, he's probably a really good player. I've heard the name already, so I know he's good. And uh, just, you know, that's all he needed was just that little and good on you to bunt him, you know, just to put his eye back on the ball. And and, and a lot of – and people will ask, well, what's your secret to all the hitting? You've had a lot of guys go on and blah, 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 this and this and that. I said, it's confidence, man. You, you know, fake it till you make it. And, and it, it – that confidence can make you go a long ways in this game, you know, and I, and I talk about the pilots in the airport, you know who they are, the surgeons in the, in the hospitals, you know exactly who they are because they got a little different walk. Um, and it's not cocky. It's just, they're very confident and they need to be. There's not a major leaguer that wouldn't tell you that he's the best player that he knows. Um, and so you have to have a little bit of that and that's, you know, good on you. That's awesome. And, and that's a big thing, too. I'll get into it. But developing approach and kind of, um, again, this is more so for our coaches that are listening that might have only coached, uh, that are just starting to coach or um, have been doing it for a while and want to advance their game. Um, what, when you're coaching a kid, what, what, in your opinion, is the easiest way to approach? Is it based on relationship first? Is it... Um, is it developing, is it identifying first and then kind of uh, going back to relationship? What way would you say a coach is best suited to approach an athlete that may be struggling? Yeah, um, you know, relationships, they got to trust you first. So, you know, you're probably going to have to go ahead and do that, depending on how young, like, you know, you're only going to get them for, you know, six times for the summer or two times you got a game. You know, and so I know how that works up there. And, and it, I used to do the NCCP courses and it was tough. You know, they want to do this year plan and you're like, man, I got two practices and then we play. That's it. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, I watched uh, the trust factor. I've watched it this year, you know, in the dugout. I sat back and, you know, I'm usually outgoing and, and all over the place and up and down. And I watched, you know, our manager, uh, uh, head coach, uh, Jeremy Schoeninger, who I watched at Spalding University when he was there, just be like all over the place, you know, in and out of guys and just wearing them out. I didn't watch him get excited. I not once didn't raise his voice once. Um, they have classroom and he got the trust of the players and uh, really, really, they trusted him. He trusted them and, and man, they really, and that's what I think helped us get through that, that, uh, you know, it's why we were successful. Um, but yeah, you definitely have to get their trust first because once you get that, you know, they'll run through a wall for you. Um, but yeah, definitely that. And then depending on the age level, you know, definitely, but man, relationships, number one, absolutely. And you got to, you know, you got to ease into it because depending where you're at and the different, you know, the different athlete too, you know, we're, we're down here and, you know, there's a lot of guys that, don't have trust with the males, the male figure. You know, they've had people they think about how many coaches these guys had. So if you come in and, and that's what me and Coach Sheets were talking about, we're like, we can't just come in and talk about what we're going to do. We're going to change this all up, um, you know, because they're like, well, you know, the last eight coaches, these guys have had 10 coaches in their lives. So, you know, I always tell the young coach, man, just 
teach them how to you know, wear a uniform, teach them how to run on and off the field. If you, if you work somewhere else and you're a really good mechanic, don't try to teach hitting. It's not an easy thing to do. You don't just, you can't just read a book, but bring someone in, you know, like you guys bring in Cole Tucker, bring in Chase, bring in these guys. And you guys are really good at what you're doing already because you're continuing to learn and, and you guys have played at that level and you guys have been in that situation. So I'm not saying for you guys, but we all learn, but they need to bring someone in. Those those high school kids that played in the programs, bring those guys in and let them do it. You don't have to be the guy that knows it all. Mm-hmm. And that's the tough part is I want to get in there. I'm going to show them what I know. Well, that's, you know, being an arsonist and a volunteer fireman at the same time, man, you're, <laughs> you're causing some problems there. Um, but just let them have fun. I know my little league coach, you know, he's one of my favorite coaches ever. He was, you know, he worked at Pacific gas and electric out in California and he just bought us some sweet uniforms and taught us how to hustle on and off and wear the thing. He never taught us baseball. We just, and we had fun and we kept playing the game. We'll get the teaching when we get older. Yeah. And what happens a lot is kids are really good. You know, you go out and you throw to the seven year old in the backyard and he's a switch hitter. He's hitting bombs and then we screw him up. You know, we overcoach them and we, we do things that we think's right and without studying. Um, and you got to be able to evolve too. You know, you got to be able to change. And But just remembering those young coaches, we don't have to do it all. Like we don't. So. Yeah. And, and that was the next part of, I was going to say. You kind of started to touch on it. But with the unlimited resources out there to get better and always learn, there's going to be different philosophies and you're going to have different coaches who say different things. But. Um, one thing that I always reiterate to any of the athletes that I coach is that there's always something you can take away, whether you have a positive experience or a negative experience. And we had one of our guests on a couple of weeks ago who said the same thing where they kind of said, even with that negative experience, you can take away something from that and learn from the negative experience that you had. Um, but just now touching on the resources, like you talked about, you touched on ABCA and, yeah. um, Alan Jager and what he's Big doing ball and, yeah. Yeah. And what what are some resources out there uh, beyond those that, again, our athletes should be looking? I mean, the social media era has taken over. There's a lot of people out there teaching a lot of different stuff. But what 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 are a couple of uh, resources that you would recommend just going to check out? Yeah. You know, I always tell those guys we've I've trained this seven year old just the same way I would train a professional hitter, man. And I would just watch major league games. And I know um the lack of you guys being able to watch games, but Blue Jays and 30 is the best thing invented, by the way. But, um, but you know, you don't get a lot of chances to watch baseball games. And so they don't know the game very well, Um, but they need to learn the game a little more. You know, we used to look at baseball cards. We knew players in and out. We, we, you know, that's just what we did. Um, But they have to continue to learn. And you're right. There's some things out there that, you know, I always tell kids, try it. If you like it, it works for you and you have success with it, then it's good. Um, and if you hear it three times um, by some very, you know, very respectful people, then that's why stick and ball started because they're, they're seeing all this stuff on there and they're going out and getting the best coaches out there and they're putting them on one YouTube page. And, and it's, it's a really good deal. And um, you're going to get some good coaching there. And I, I would try to say, Hey, if you're, if you're reading that and they're doing it, then you probably need to try it. But, um, and there's some crazy things out there, but, Sometimes it's just terminology. Sometimes it's a way to make a kid, you know, with the whole launch angle thing. And and we can get into that for another whole show. Um, But everything's launch angle. I tell guys all the time. And so what I had to do is going into the college thing, I had to go learn everything. I had to learn rap soto. I had to learn driveline. I had to learn overweighting, underweighting. I had to learn, you know, the mechanics. I had to learn what launch angle was and how to teach it to a guy because there's a guy that I connected with on our team that if I wouldn't have went launch angle, he would have never even listened to a word I said, but you have to educate those guys. You know, every swing has a launch angle. It could be negative. It could be above, but what people don't know. And if you study it a little more, it's like, I need a 30 launch angle. Well, yeah, that's if you hit the ball a hundred miles per hour. Yeah. that's right. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't know that you're just like, Oh, I see the pros hit at 30 launch angle. So I need to get to that. No, you, Johnny, you probably need to be about a 10. Because you only hit the ball 70 miles per hour off the bat. And so there's studies out there that, you know, even you guys, if you learn that, there's a chart. Okay. And even in the cage, you know, go to your cage and put where it's at. Because if you say launch angle is not good, 
well, then you're going to lose out, like, because that's what they're selling and that's what the pro guys are talking about. So basically, I just went and learned it so you can educate those guys. Um, and then they go, oh, okay. And, and the other thing I've started doing is educating the parents, man. We, When I was a younger coach, I used to leave those guys out in the lobby because maybe I wasn't confident what I was doing. I didn't want them to steal what I already stole. Because <laughs> that's baseball. We steal everything, but I felt like I started it even though I didn't. Um, but we are crazy to think, Noah, Ryan, if they come to our place once a week, that they're not going out with dad four day, four times a week yeah. and doing it. So we need to educate those guys a little better. Um, cause I've had some things and some parents have come to me with some things and I'm just like, man, you're so far off, but let, let me, let me show you why you're off and let me educate you. Um, and, and that's just growing as a coach and, and, you know, putting the ego aside and, just, you know, trying to educate as many people as we can for what we know. And, and you know, as long as you're still learning, um, I always say some stuff like I'm old school. Well, old school, man, that means you're not learning anymore because the game has just gone on another, another level. So you, if you're still living back in the 1960s, there's things have changed. Video has actually showed us that there's some things that are way different than there used to be now. Don't get me wrong. Baseball is still baseball and the mechanics are still, you know, remember when we went from funneling to picking it out in front back to funneling. Yeah. Um, but if the major leaguers are doing it, let's find out why they're doing it and how they're doing it. And let's slow those videos down and, and show a kid on video. Um, but yeah, very good question. And, and, and we just got to try to educate ourselves and be careful of what they're seeing out there. Cause there is some things out there that people are just trying to make a dollar and, Almost like sometimes I wonder if they're serious and we've actually asked them, is this serious? Yeah. <laughs> like, is this seriously what you guys are, you think happens? And they're like, yeah, you know, and it's like, man, that's, and so, yeah, just like anything else, when you get on the internet, you have to be careful of what mm -hmm. you know, you're delving into. But um, I think they're going to be in really good hands with YouTube because you guys are, I can just tell chomping at the bit, wanting to learn so much. And have you guys been to ABCA yet? No. Yeah, no, you, you will never, you will never miss it again. When you go, you'll never miss it again. And I, you know, I challenge you guys to go. And I was the one that told Sheets yeah. uh, his, as a player, I said, if you ever go into coaching, this is where you have to go first thing. And, and he's been ever since he worked there, he ran it. Um, and he's now the ambassador of college baseball. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's unreal. And it's just the connections you make and, and, everything else that's going on there. It's unbelievable. So uh, as we wrap up here, coach, uh, we did have a couple of questions from a couple of our viewers. So oh, of, Steve Donahue. Well, one from <laughs> Steve Donahue. We cut Greg <laughs> so, so the first one is actually, do you and coach Sheets share the same base running philosophies? Me and coach Sheets don't share a lot of philosophies. <laughs> <laughs> we do not. Oh, um, but he's aggressive on the bases. Um, I do yeah. like how aggressive he is. He like, steals a lot. And, you know, we were in, you know, ranked in the top in the country. I like to just go. So I, I, as he is my head coach, I will say, yes, I have to yeah. share the same philosophy as him. But, yeah, no, we do actually just run, 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 go, go, go. As soon as you get on, go. If a catcher's throwing you out, let's say 30 percent of the time, he's really good. We're just going seven out of 10 on you. Um, and so, uh, there's not a lot of guys that can throw you out. You're stealing off the pitcher anyways. If a, if a, if a team can't hold the runner, then we're gone. Yeah. So that's funny. <laughs> so that's the, second, question. the second one is from, uh, I guess it's from Greg Williams and Steve Donahue. So they yeah, said, remember my wife and kids are in here. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, said, Alan, um, how would you work with a coach who was bouncing all over the coach's box? Is he talking about me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so those, those guys saw me in my younger years when I was, uh, and, you know, coaching for the dogs is a lot of pressure. You know, the pressure, you know, we have to win and, and we get our little behinds chewed out when we don't win, especially when Newfoundland comes in and beats us, which we always had the toughest games against you guys because it's a national championship for you guys. Um, yeah. We're either throwing off or, you know, for whatever reason. And you guys always gave us a game and beat us. And now I'm like, God, I got to get on the phone here and I got to 
so I'm all over the place and, and they've seen me at my worst times. Oh yeah. And that's a fact. <laughs> Bouncing all over the place, getting thrown out. Um, you know, not being the, you know, my wife and kids stopped coming to some of the games when I was a younger coach. Cause I was, you know, all over because, you know, just be, when you're an athlete, you're so passionate and you're so aggressive and you, and you can't, it's, it's things you can't control. And as you get older, you realize, man, I can't control this. And, you know, then I umped, then I actually umped some tournaments and realized that how hard it was. Actually, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was from the dugout. And, but yeah, I don't know how you would control that. <laughs> Just wait till he gets older and, and, uh, <laughs> so, so he actually made, uh, he made another commentary. He said, uh, so he's not speaking directly about yourself. He said, uh, your assistant last year at Canada Cup. Oh, yes, he did. Okay. Yeah, that guy's in the other dugout, man. That guy's all over the place. Um, yeah, that's probably, <laughs> that's probably what he's talking about. Yeah, I loved watching. And remember what I said about a player when you're walking around and what makes you stop and watch him? Well, CJ coaching third was he'd make you stop and watch because he's doing signs. He's got he's high kneeing himself. He's in a crouch. He's in the other dugout. He's on all he's on all fours. And so he makes you stop and watch. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how to control that. I just I don't know. That's a that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I got to just to kind of as we're wrapping it up here, Coach. Uh, we made a point that I wanted. We don't have another hour. I well, listen. We can definitely do this again, and we definitely will do this again without question. This has probably been one of the fastest hours yet so far. Yeah, it's going quick. Of, definitely. But we, you talked earlier about not having the parents, you know, in your early days in the facility, and and you know the parents are going to be working with the kids. This is something I don't think we've done enough of, but I think we need to touch on a little bit more. When you're a coach especially a volunteer coach and, you know, with your minor association and you have a kid that you're not playing based on performance. What advice do you have to a young coach? I mean, obviously there's a, you know, amount of time that you're sharing, which you understand, but when it gets into the point where you're trying to win games and, and tournaments and things like that, I mean, you're, you're, you're fielding the best team. That's just the reality of the situation. Absolutely. How do you have, the, I have a thought about this and um, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I kind of want to get your take first, but how do you approach that? Do you approach that at the moment, at the beginning of the season, before the tournament? How would you approach those situations? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and we used to sit up there in the first meeting and tell them everything we were going to do. And then you're stuck to it. And if you don't, you're a liar. So be careful with that and, and tell them when you're going to do this and that. Just do it. You know, we don't have to say, oh, things are going to change. Just change them and just do it. Yeah. Um, because then you're liable. And, and when you say those things, um, then you have to do it. And if you don't, then be careful. Um, and so what we started doing is just doing it. Now, you might need to jump on it before because you know they're going to. A parent's going to approach you if not. And you can see them. They're, they're causing problems in the, the outskirts. You know, pretty soon, if you don't, if you don't nip it in the bud, then you're going to have a, three or four of them running out there with them. And I always tell parents in our meetings, that guy that's sitting out there by himself, he just doesn't want to hear all the bull crap. Um, and it goes back to recruiting too. Parents can really cost their kids a scholarship, you know, because I don't want to put up with that parent for four years. I'm not bringing that kid in. I don't care how good he is. I don't want to have to put up with that parent. And that's sad as it is. Well, you shouldn't take it out on my kid from what I am, but no, you, you, you have to, and I will. And I tell them that. And so, and we didn't have much problems with the dogs. They stayed away. Um, for the most part, because of different situations. But for you guys, um, and we'd have one or two every once in a while, and we just had to, you know, put them in their place. But as I got older, it's more of a conversation. As a father, you know, as a as an older coach, it's easier. But the only thing we owe them is honesty, man. Yeah. We only owe them honesty. And, and as they get older, you want the kid to come up and ask, you know, how can I get better? How can I get in? And it's always the same question, and you know where it's coming from. Um, coach, can I talk to you? Yeah, you're either quitting or you want to know why you're not playing and how you can get better. Yeah. Well, we've, you've done the same thing. We've coached you the same way as everybody else. You're just not as good. So how can you be a role player on this team? And that's the tough part for parents is, well, he's didn't get play. Well, he's DHing. Well, that's not playing. Well, I can show you what's not playing. The next game, he won't even be in the lineup at all. And so you have to deal with that. Um my my goal for you guys is to try to find a way to get that kid in somehow. Maybe he's a good runner. 
maybe he can be your pinch runner. And, and you got to talk about roles. There's roles in jobs. There's roles in your family with your, you know, your wife and your kids. So how can you be a role player on this team? You know, especially when you have, you know, in Oakdokes, we had 18 guys on a Bantam team. And everybody's like, why you got so many? And I said, because we play 56 games. So schedule more games and get that kid in. Um, because we can do things the wrong and right way. I can I can put him in every time against the best pitcher and he'll fail. Yeah. And then I can put the other kid in and make in good situations. So we can control that if you really want to. And I can do it the wrong way, and that's the wrong way to do it. But you know, I've done that as a younger coach and it, you know, to prove a point, but that's not what we're trying to do. The kids, the best interest is in there. Um, But that kid, you know, at the end is going to, is going to be able to help you. Um, And with 18 players, we did a really good job of playing everybody all the time. We played double headers and we, you know, that's what we do. Um, But for that parent, man, and and usually it's tough because, you know, and then if not, if it doesn't work, then they got to go. Yeah. Simple as that. And then take the flip side of that now. And I want to make sure it's addressed from both sides. If you're a parent of a kid that's not playing, how do you approach your coach? Do you approach your child first and have a conversation with your child before you approach your coach about playing time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The problem is, and that's a great question from the other side. I've never heard, you know, somebody's always talking about from the coach's side. Um, But man, there's some great parents that have done it right. And usually they've played somewhere professionally or they're, you know, they just drop them off. It's funny, the farther they went, the least they leave, you know, the least they bug you with what you're doing um, in this game because they've known Um, it's tough for a parent because they just want the best for their kid, you know, and I'm not that parent. Well, you, you're automatically that parent when you say that. Um, So as a parent, you know, yeah, definitely have the kid. Because they're not there at every practice. They don't know what goes on. They don't know the kid strikes out every time, man. And he's lucky yeah. to be, even be on this team. And I should be thanking you as a coach for having him on this team and, and letting him be a part of something really cool. So, we, we, you know, yes, definitely go to the kid and say, hey, man, go talk to him, see what he can do. Because the kid's not going to tell the parents anything. And that's the problem we have is their communication with their parents. How practice was awesome. I was the best player out there. Well, if they're not there every day and if we don't let them be there because we have a closed practice, then they don't see. And then even if they do, some of the parents are delusional a little bit and they, they think their kid's the best and that's just what they want. Um, but, yeah, you know, and then to come to the coach, I think that's the last thing they need to do. And if they do it, it needs to be very respectful because as they forget, sometimes we, we spend a lot of time away from our own family. The last thing we need to do is deal with some guy that you know, has something wrong with his day and he wants to take it out on us because his kid's not playing when the kid actually loves it, every bit of it. And the kid knows if we had a kid and make a lineup, he wouldn't have himself in that lineup either. And we know that because we've, I've done it. I've made kids put a lineup out individually, secretly and give it to me. And then they're not in there. Um, but yeah, that's a really good question. And that needs to be out there more we need to have those meetings with a parent and maybe find the parent that gets it a little more and have a parent liaison you know that they go to him and then he comes to you i did that one year and it worked out great because they're always going to gripe and then what i found out in the states we only have 11 players on the i I coach at uh smart tense baseball great guys and great program there and man i was like where's all the players and they're like we only have 11 because now everybody plays we don't have to hear about it and i'm like ah so I've always went the other way. You know, we've had 18. Um, and then there's no problems at all. Everyone's pitching. Everyone's playing. Um, so that's the easy way out. But um, for you, you know, and you guys are going to get it. And you're going to get tested and you're going to get the burnout phase, you know, from where you guys are. And it's going to be like, but don't let that one parent, you know, speak for all the rest of them. And I used to do it the wrong way. I'd send emails out to everybody and say, hey, Johnny, so-and-so's dad speaking for you guys and then they go take care of it yeah. <laughs> they, they nip in the bud right there and that kid has had to go you know we've actually had a kid had to leave the program like we're not going to put up with you we're not going to do what you're doing um because they'll start they'll start making up some stuff that's even worse i always say you're one kid away from losing your job and or a parent and you're one kid away from losing your life yeah. you know so that's you know and then we ask people you still want to coach <laughs> so 
Um, yeah, very good question and tough and, and, you know, just honesty, you know, if you see it starting to happen a little bit, just go, Hey, I noticed you were a little, you know, a little upset. And is it about his playing time? You know, and you can go handle it real quick and then he gets to let it out and, or she gets to let it out and, um, just make sure somebody else is with you each time, you know, cover yourself a little bit, but yeah, it's the toughest part of coaching is dealing with them. And, and that's what I like about the college game a little bit more. And, didn't have to deal with it too much with Okotoks, but we did. But college, I haven't even, unless I want to meet a parent, I haven't had to talk to one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. There's well, the thank you for that. We appreciate that very much. Yeah. So hope that helps. Definitely. And and it's funny you say that too. I mean, I've coached uh, the at my local association here. And the, the main thing was both years that I coached here after I moved back to Newfoundland was I said, I need a team manager. And I said, I want to handle the on-field stuff because that's where the kids and the team is getting the most out of me. So if a team manager could handle any inquiries, that'd be great. So I, I really enjoy the fact that you brought up that point. And also, I think on the other side of the parents' conversation is that we have an opportunity now, especially us here in Newfoundland with the program that we're running, to educate the parents and baseball coaches and um, across Canada and across North America can offer that education to the parents and uh, re really give them some insight into what the program is going to be like and also the ins and outs of baseball. Because again, at the end of the day, you may just have a parent who really hasn't been around the game that much and they haven't seen it at the highest level. So um, I'm glad that you brought up those two points and it was a great conversation, but uh, coach, uh, wish we could do it longer. We definitely yeah. have to back on for another uh, another couple hours and do this again but uh all the best i just want to say uh good luck with the program and uh hope to see some success and hopefully we can uh send you a couple of names now in the next couple of years that'll uh join you down south absolutely thanks a lot i appreciate you knowing ryan keep doing what you're doing and like i said anytime you need some help from me and sheets and any you know even the guys in okotoks reach out to them man they'll help you it's what we're all, we're, it's a fraternity and we're all in it together and we're all trying to do the same thing, man. No, we appreciate it very much, coach. And likewise, if there's anything we can do to help you, we, we'd be more than happy to help. We appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. All right. Cheers. Thanks guys. All right. All right. See you guys. All right. Bye.